because when we're going through something, the hardest thing we could possibly even imagine, we don't realize how actually in control, wise, and wonderful our God is. We have a very small perspective on what we're going through, and we do not realize that there is a hand that is in every single thing. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Here we go. Job part five. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We are going to hit Job again. And I can tell you that next week, Job part six will be the last week in our series. And I do have to say, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I have paid the price for speaking on Job, but I have thoroughly enjoyed just the study of his life and just kind of an overview of the things that he dealt with. So welcome to the show. After the break, we will do Job part five and it's going to be amazing. You are not going to want to miss it. It's very powerful. I'm excited. I, I ran out of paper in my notebook today, so I had to I had to find paper to write down what the Lord was downloading to me. So I have like printer paper folded for all my notes today. Welcome to the show today. You guys, so on this topic of Job, you are just, I mean, I just talked to Amanda and Amanda is has so many messages in our inbox. You guys are reaching out. It's clearly ministering to you. And I just want to say thank you for being a part. If you have a story of what God's doing in your life, of what God has done in your life as a result of this study, I want to hear about it. Email us at hello at autumnmiles.com, okay? There is nothing better then for us to get a message from you about what God is doing in your life based on something that you heard on one of these episodes. So keep them coming. Thank you so much for the feedback. It gives me fuel to my fire for what we're going to do next and where God is going to take us next. We're entering into holiday season, which I can't even believe I'm saying that really, really soon. And um, so we'll hit Christmas really hard. We'll hit Thanksgiving really, really hard. But um, there will be another series in between this and the holidays. So um, I can't wait to see what God downloads to me as well. Thank you for reaching out. If you want to reach out, that email again is hello at autumnmiles.com. Okay. What is God doing in my life? Well, <laughs> So many things. I feel like I've been Job in the last couple of months. And I will have to say on Monday, which was, you know, not long ago, we had a huge, humongous, giant, gigantic answer to prayer happen. This is something that we have been sort of warring with for months and on Monday, it all came to a close. And so that was huge. And yesterday was my 43rd birthday, you guys, 43. 
I can't even believe I'm 43. It's weird to even think about the fact that I'm in my 40s, much less I've been in my 40s for three years. When did that happen? But I have to say, one of the things that I do every single year is I ask God, God, I would like a gift from you. What is a gift from you? A gift I cannot buy. A gift that sometimes I don't even think that I know that I want, right? Like it's a gift from God. So God only knows what he has in store for those people that he loves. And over the years, God has been so incredibly faithful that every year, guys, it is so amazing. I started doing this, gosh, I don't know, 10 years ago. And every single year, it's like on my birthday or right before my birthday, I get a gift from God. And it is so incredible. One year on my birthday, my baby Havy was, she was a slow walker. And I think she was like 15 months, something like that. Like she was really delayed. She had a birth defect. So it kind of set her back a little bit developmentally for a while. But she was at like 15 months or 16 months. I don't know. I can't even remember right now off the top of my head. But she would not walk. The child could walk, but she would not walk. And I guess that's probably because she's the fourth child and you baby the fourth one, the last one so much. But she would not walk. And I was worried about her because all three of my other kids walked at nine months. Like uh, Moses walked the day of his nine month birthday. But this kid would not walk. And it's so, so very, um, it's very reminiscent of her personality now because she just does kind of, she tries to do what she wants to do. Okay. We harness that strength. But um, one birthday, I was praying, God, give me a gift that I cannot buy. And you guys, I am not even kidding. We went out to dinner. We came home from dinner. I put Haven, I, I set her down. I turned around on my birthday and the child stood up and walked. She didn't just take a step. She stood up and she walked around the entire room. She did not trip. She was sure footed. And every day since, obviously, she's walked. But that's just an example of a gift. I couldn't buy that. I couldn't force that. That is from God himself on my birthday. Did she know how to walk the day before my birthday? Yes, she did. But she chose, because I feel like God instigated that, to get up and walk on my birthday. I have had private things that I'll never share that have happened on or before my birthday. And Monday, we had a huge, I'm talking a nine-month process, you guys, um, came to a close on Monday, and my birthday was Tuesday. And I'm telling you, God loves to give gifts to his kids. He still gives them. He still gives you things that your money can't buy. He still is in that business. How much do you love at your kid's birthday, giving them a birthday present? Or my son wanted a drum set last year for Christmas, and we found one really cheap, and we hit it. He had no idea he was getting it. And he went through his presents, and he was like, I love everything that I got. And I knew he was disappointed in his heart. And we took him out to our office and there was the drum set and he cried, you guys, he cried and we loved every second of it because we knew how much he wanted it. So my point today is on my birthday this year, I saw the hand of God 
the giving, amazing, gracious, specific hand of God hand me, his kid, a gift. And so I encourage you to ask for that same thing, you know, in your life because it was pretty cool. Every, and everyone knows I do this. Like my kids are like, is that what you asked for from God? I'm like, as a matter of fact, it was. <laughs> but it was amazing. Had a good birthday. Here I am, 43. Let's see what you got, 43. I'm sure you have lots of things in store for me this year, and I'm excited about it. All right. We are going to take a break. After the break, we will be back with Job Part 5. And Job Part 5 is titled this, The Great encounter and you don't want to go anywhere i'll see you guys in a sec every day a new day yeah vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day yeah let's go x y z a yeah what do you do when you can relate more to jezebel rahab or eve rather than esther or mary to her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Okay, guys, we are back with Job part five. Here we go. I entitled this The Great Encounter. And Lord, let me just pray before we get into this. Lord, we need you to speak. I pray that you would just anoint this episode. For those faithful ones, for those faithful ones, Lord, that have been in a Job season, I pray, God, that this season would give them so much hope of who you are, of what you're doing, such an incredible, powerful perspective. God, I pray right now that you would bless your word, God, as it comes forth from your servant. We love you. Lord, I pray that you would help me give it to them just as quick, easy, and seamless as you gave it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. The great encounter. This word encounter has been in my mind for a couple of weeks now. I knew that this was probably going to be one of my favorite episodes that we did on Job, Job part five. I want to give you just kind of um, a very short review because I want to get to everything that I have written down in my notes. And there's a lot. Um, 
week one, we talked about God selecting Job and offering Job to the enemy for testing, basically. Week two, we talked about how Job is kind of thrown in to being tested. We took a couple of weeks and did Job one. In Job part three, we talked about all of the different testing, okay? What happened to him, how he was tested, everything that was taken away in his response. In Job part four, last week, we talked about can you actually be honest with God? And I'm so glad we talked about that because a lot of you guys were in my boat theologically as a kid growing up being terrified of God. Didn't want to say anything wrong because you were worried that God was going to strike you with lightning. Okay. This week, we're going to talk about the great encounter. I want to refer back to last week just a little bit because of how raw Job was before the Lord. Do you remember in Job chapter four, and let me get there, uh, Job chapter three, excuse me. He says, Job three, three, let the day perish on which I was to be born and the night which said a boy is conceived. May the day be darkness. Let not God care for it, nor let light shine on it. So he begins his lament of losing the sheep, losing the camels, losing the donkeys, losing his children, losing all of these things. He starts his lament with saying, I wish I was never born. And he goes into him and his friends go into many chapters of dialogue about him kind of complaining and being negative and wishing he was never born and his friends trying to give him good advice, which falls short. And we know that they, their advice was definitely not what God wanted them to say because they get reprimanded hardcore at the end of Job. We left last week with a very raw view of Job. He was depressed. He was upset. Have you ever been there? Maybe you are there right now, and I'm believing that you're there right now. You go through a season, no matter what it is, a financial season, a season of sickness, a season of, you know, of your relationship is really struggling. Maybe you got let go from your job, whatever it is, a season of severe trial. And you are raw. It's, it's like everything that comes out of you is raw. And you continually say, I need you. Where are you, God? I'm your believer. I've been faithful to you. Where are you? Answer me, answer me, answer me. And there is nothing that you hear from him. This is where Job is. I love this place because I feel, you know, have you ever, have you ever tried to call someone? (laughs) Back in the day, we called people. Now they don't call. They're like, they like text. And then they, people text and say, hey, can I call you? Because calling is so improper. I come from the days where you just call people. And I love my friends my age because they just call me like, you know, on the phone rather than texting me. If you're like below the age of 35, you're like, hey, can we hop on a phone call? But my friends my age, they just call like it's not a problem because we're from the call generation. 
But have you ever tried to call somebody or let me say text, text somebody and there is zero response? And so since there's zero response, you know, you wait the appropriate amount of time because you need something from that person. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's five hours, maybe it's a day, whatever it is. And you text them again. Hello. (laughs) Hello there. Knock, knock. Are you there? Did you get my last text? One of my friends who shall remain nameless because they might listen to this podcast. If I don't respond, which, you know, these days I'm not as quick on my texts as I used to be. Maybe I'm getting old. I'm 43 now, guys. They will, you know, that little thing on your text where you can emphasize the message with like a heart or like an exclamation point. Rather than them saying, hey, did you get my text? They'll emphasize like with an exclamation point the text. And you know what that makes me want to do? Wait longer. I get this rebellious spirit where I'm like, you emphasize the text. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait a little bit longer to respond. Just kidding. I'm not like that. But kind of I am. But you need a response. Hey, this is happening. Where are we at? What's going on? Or a phone call. Nothing is worse than calling someone and then it like ringing forever. And you need something. Like you're not just being like, hey, what's up? You like actually need something. You need information. You need to set plans. You need something. This is Job, you guys, in the book of Job. He has lamented for chapters. Chapters he has lamented. And he has asked continually in all of these chapters, God, Where are you at? Let me read it for you. Job 31, 35 says this. Oh, this is Job. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here's my signature. Let the almighty answer me. And the indictment which my adversary has written. Where are you at, God? Let the Almighty answer me. God, come on. I've been calling. I've been texting. Where are you at? I am going through something that is absolutely crazy. This is not the only place in Scripture where we see someone needing to hear or crying out to hear from God. Here we go again. Um, Psalm 86 This is our boy, David, David and Job. They're so similar in the scripture in the way that they talk to God. And both of them are a man after God's own heart and also a blameless, righteous man is what Job is called. Psalm 86, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul. Um, For I am a godly man. I can't read it because I marked it up so much. Oh, you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, oh, Lord. What does he say? Incline your ear, oh, Lord, and answer me. Answer me. David saying that. Job said that. And guys, it is all over the scripture. I just chose to because I've, I've got a lot of stuff to get to. What this says to me is this. Job did not want nor did he need his stuff back. 
He is not praying, oh God, give me all my sheep. Oh God, give me all my donkeys. Oh God, give me all my camels. He is not praying any of those things. He is simply asking the Lord, let, Job 131, 35, let the Almighty answer me. He doesn't want his stuff back. He doesn't need his stuff back. What he needs is an encounter with God himself. And that's what you need. We're going deep quick. Who knows? Maybe this will be short. (laughs) I really felt strongly drawn to that one line. And that's what you need. And that's what they need. I felt like that was a message from the Lord as I was going over all of this information. You know, I, I bloat myself with the information and think, you know what, is this practical? Will this be received well? Can, is this palatable? What, what do I pick and choose in order to share? And what I realized was so profound. We get things taken away from us. The, uh, Job said to his wife, shall we accept uh, good from the Lord and not adversity? We got to accept both. But Job never once said, oh, God, give me my camels. When something is taken away from you, like a job or something like that, that's that job is never, ever going to satisfy your soul ever. You can get a new job. And if you don't have an encounter with the Lord, you can feel just as destitute and depressed as Job did in this state where he's calling out for the Lord. Let the Almighty answer me. But this is what the enemy comes in to tell us. Rather than getting the position or point of view that Job has, let the Almighty answer me. Like David has, hear me and answer me in Psalm 86. The enemy tempts us to fill that void with anything other than an encounter with the Lord. Remember, he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is out for, uh, for Job to completely give up his faith to curse God, basically, is what the text says. I feel like those of you in a Job season, the enemy is tempting to fill those voids, that grief that you're feeling with anything other than an encounter with God himself. Because if you can do that, if he can get you to do that, if he can get you to buy, you know, a a, a brand new boat, (laughs) Moses asked us for a boat last night. I'm like, no, we're good. (laughs) Maybe, maybe he needs an encounter. Clearly he does. Or that addiction or that anger or whatever it is. When we are grieving like Job was grieving, when we are raw, when everything we feel like has been taken away from us and our way seems unstable and weird and insecure and we're kind of, we feel like as if we're on shaky ground, that's when the enemy swoops in to say, hey, do you remember that addiction that served you a long time in your life and you got free from that because you got to know Jesus? 
Let's go back to that. That'll make you feel better. That pulling from the enemy. Because if he can get us to do that, guys, he'll get our attention off of what we actually need, which is an encounter with God himself. This is so good. There's been so many times in my life, in my spiritual uh, life, where, you know, doing what we do, doing what, what I do, I'll just use me, Job seasons, you come to learn how to live with them. Um, can I say that? You know, some people, you know, they're, they go through a season like this and it's never, they're like, it's never happened to me before. And, you know, this is new and they're hurting and they're, it's so incredibly difficult for them. And, and, you know, I just kind of look at them and tell them the steps that have helped me, you know, in the past or whatever, but being in a role where you're constantly kind of fighting the enemy, rather than being shocked by a Job season, we, we have kind of had to just accept this is going to be part of our life. People look at our life and they think, wow, you guys are going through something hard again. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's because we chose to do the hardest thing possible, which is to proclaim the gospel and push the gospel forward in the world. We, we were called to do that. But we've had to learn how to live with it. It's not something that just catches us. It does catch us off guard. But we, we understand that this is a part of what we do, you know, like engineers, things. I don't know what engineers do. So I'm not going to use that as an example. Like a fireman goes and fights a fire. That's part of what he does. We fight the enemy. That's part of what we do. Okay. What I do. And every time I get to this point where I am like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. It's too much. It's overwhelming me. The Lord in his mercy will remind me, be careful what the enemy puts in your mind. You don't need any of that stuff. You need an encounter with me, with my father. And it's in those times where I seek just that. I don't understand what's happening. I've been really, really raw before you, Lord. Answer me. <laughs> I need an encounter. Job didn't need any of his stuff back. What he needed was to hear from God himself to give him perspective on how he was supposed to move forward from it all. That's what you need. That's a word for someone today. You don't need your stuff back. You need an encounter with the Lord. So seek it until you get it. You will find me, says the Lord, when you search for me. With all of your heart. The Bible says, I will be found by you. It might take some time, but that is what you actually need. Job didn't need his stuff back. He needed an encounter with the Lord. And so did David. God stayed silent for a long time, you guys. Like, God is like... <laughs> God's real patient and sometimes a little too patient uh, because I, he pushes us to the brink sometimes. And then he's, you know, then he swoops in and takes care of everything, you know, for 38 chapters, God is silent. He doesn't even like murmur or mention or comfort or stop or <laughs> correct or he didn't do anything that we see, but he is present. 
He doesn't speak through the whole thing. Isn't it interesting that the Lord, um, Job didn't know the conversation that, that God had with the enemy in heaven. He didn't know. Job had no idea what they were talking about in the throne room. Hey, have you considered my servant Job? Job didn't know that. All he knew was that all of a sudden his life fell apart. Okay. So he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. He had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. All he wanted was an encounter with the Lord and God chose to stay silent. I want to speak to those of you today where you are saying to yourself, God is abandoned. He's forgotten. We've talked about that so many times. If you know me, you, I combat that mentality all the time because it's a lie. There is no truth in God has abandoned me. Um, when you are a believer, absolutely not. You cannot shake him. You cannot shake God. You cannot shake him. I will never leave you or forsake you. You can't do it. You don't have the power to shake God from you if you are a believer. Okay. Anyways, he chooses to stay silent for 38 chapters. He doesn't speak. And he watches the camels leave. The donkeys leave. The sheep leave. The children perish. The wife turn on him, his intelligent, but not so smart friends give him bad advice. God watches all of this. And I feel like some of you guys are in this silent season. This is sometimes this is how God works. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that we have the scripture. We have a Bible. We can go to our Bible and pick it up. <laughs> And we can be like, you're never going to leave here for saying me and remind ourselves the character of God. But sometimes when we're going through a, a season like this, we can't feel him. We don't feel a fresh word from his spirit. It just feels a little bit out of reach. God just seems so silent. And in other seasons of our lives, it's like we, uh, he's constantly speaking. I saw a raindrop and it was, you know, <laughs> shaped like the cross, you know, or there was a leaf that my kid gave me and it, you know, looked like the face of Jesus or there's a cloud. In some seasons, it's like the Holy Spirit is sending you signs left and right. And you've got the word to back it up and you've got people. And this boy came in and this man came into the coffee shop and, you know, he said, I have a word for you. It's very, very blatant. But other trials is that God silences himself. And sometimes he silences himself because when he speaks, he wants you to listen. What do you do in a movie when, you know, you walk into, you walk into a room and I'm, this happens to me all the time with my kids because I constantly tell them to turn on the TV because I, I don't know why they think that they can't hear, but... <laughs> It's blaring loud. Everyone here down the block. So I'll be like, turn it down, turn it down, turn it down. But sometimes I'll come and I'll sit down and I'll, and I'll sit there and my ears will be straining so hard because I'm trying to hear what the TV is saying. And so what I'll, I'll look at Moses and I'll be like, turn it up, turn it up. I can't hear. I'm straining to hear because I want to listen to what is saying. We concentrate harder when we can't hear. 
everything in us is trying to focus on like reading the lips of the people on the screen, concentrating on what they're saying, concentrating on the words. All of a sudden, when something is silent or we can't hear it, our whole body gets in line and in tune if we want to hear with what we are trying to hear. And this is what happens to us when God chooses to silence himself. He didn't say anything for 38 chapters. Job said a lot. Answer me. Answer me. I'm waiting. Tell me where I did wrong. Tell me what I did. Just let me fix it. I just want to fix it. He's desperate. At this point, everyone is focused on God speaking. The friends want to know about it. The neighbors want to know about it. I'm sure the president of us wants to know about it. Everybody wants to know what is God going to say? He doesn't silence himself because he's mad at Job. He silences himself because when he speaks, he wants Job to hear it. Sometimes we can buy the light again from the enemy. Oh, God's not speaking to me. I can't feel him. I can't touch him. I must have done something. Job did nothing. We went over that multiple times. Twice it said Job didn't sin. And yet God's silent. But his silence doesn't persist forever. And his silence doesn't mean he's absent. He listened to every comment, every complaint, every tear, every torment of the soul, every syllable, every statement, every rebuke, every bad theology, every bad comment. God, while he was silent, was keenly aware of every piece of the situation that was unfolding right in front of him. Does it comfort you to know that while you may be in this silent season with God, he's watching everything? I know from the text that God was watching everything because when he speaks, he has a lot to say (laughs) about what has transpired. He's got a lot to say about what he witnessed. He's got a lot to say to Job and his friends. He's got a lot to do for Job, and we'll get into that next week. Does it comfort you to know that if God's silent with you right now, and you're going through a lot, his eyes are on everything. This comforts me all the time. I think to myself a lot, you know, God, I can't feel you today. I can't sense you today. I don't know why. But I know you're here. So in faith, I'm going to pray because I know you're here, even though I don't feel. And you know, it's crazy. Sometimes in that obstinate, like, I'm not leaving, Lord, because I need an encounter. A way that me and the Lord kind of talk to each other every once in a while. Or I talk to him because, you know, he doesn't need me. I'll sit and I'll wait. And something breaks. And all of a sudden, I get a rush of the Holy Spirit of God. His silence doesn't mean he is not 
watching every single thing that has transpired and he doesn't have wisdom for it all. Waiting to hear from God is hard, but sometimes he silences himself because he wants you to hear him. In Job 38, we, um, this is so good. God breaks his silence. The great breakthrough. (laughs) It is probably one of my most, what I believe it's one of the most powerful pieces of scripture, Job 38 to Job 42. Because God speaks to every question that not just Job has, we have. God brings a perspective that is humbling. God is so patient with us and allows us to say, answer me. Where are you at? Answer me. Help me. Intervene here. And then God, when he speaks, when he chooses to speak, he gives us a perspective that is so awe-inspiring, it makes us never want to talk again. (laughs) That is how incredible God's responses are. God said, Job 38, I am going to speak I am going to answer Job in his distress and I am going to give him an encounter that he will never, ever, ever forget. Not only Job will never forget it, your girl ain't going to forget it either. It is a legendary response to a, a soul that is deeply distressed by what he has just witnessed. When God breaks his silence, and chooses to speak to you and your situation, buckle up, buttercup, because you're never going to forget it ever. This is what he says. Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge (laughs) who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge he's talking to job now gird up your loins like a man (laughs) job's probably like ah I don't want to say anything else right now. He's probably peeing his pants right now. I don't want to do it. Joe. I don't. <laughs> okay. I'm done. I get it. I'm fine. Everything's okay. <laughs> now gird up your loins like a man. And I will ask you and you will instruct me. That's the first thing that God says to Joe. Let's read on. Where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding who set its measurements since you know, or stretched the line on it or what were its basis sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together 
And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I made a cloud its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band. And I placed boundaries on it, and set a bolt and doors. And I said, thus far you shall come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. God keeps going. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? That it may take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the sea and they stand forth like a garment. Even from the wicked, their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Here's another question. Job is like, stop talking, please. Have you ever entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Here's another question. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Job probably lying in a hole somewhere. God keeps going. Where is the way to the dwelling of the light? Where is it, Job? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory. Take it to its territory, Job. And then you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then. And the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? <laughs> Yikes. Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle. Where is the way that the light is divided or the east wind scattered on the earth? Job could have said at any time, I don't know, (laughs) but God keeps talking. Who has cleft a channel for the flood or a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land without people on a desert without a man in it to satisfy the waste and desolate land and make the seed sprout of grass to sprout? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb has come the ice? God is saying all of this. And the frost of heaven. Who has given it birth, Job? Hello, Job. Mr. Wise Guy. Who gave the frost birth? Water comes hard like stone. And the surface of the deep is imprisoned. Can you bind the chains of the, and I don't know how to say that, Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear constellation with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of heavens or fix their rule of the heavens or fix their rule over the earth? I'm almost done because I know you guys are like, we get it. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds 
so that an abundance of water will cover you? This is fascinating. Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who's put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? Who can count the clouds by wisdom or tip the water jars of the heavens when the dust hardens into a mass and the clouds stick together? Last group. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait for their lair? Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when the young cry to God and wonder about without food? Mic drop. That is the entire chapter of Job chapter 38. I read it to you because we all should hear it. Job chapter 39 doesn't get easier. Okay, I'm just saying. God continues in this mindset. You see this, the stuff on Instagram, the POV, the point of view. <laughs> it really changes your point of view. He is telling Job in a very authoritative way. He's not yelling at Job, but he's giving Job a perspective that perhaps for the last 38 chapters, Job didn't have. Job spoke at length about things he really didn't understand. Because the answer to Job that Job gives is this, finally in Job chapter 40 verse 3, he says, Then Job answered the Lord, and this is the first time that he spoke after all that. Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I may lay my hand on my mouth. I bet you want to, Job. I bet you want to put your hand straight over your mouth and be like, do not ever talk again for the rest of your life. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer, even twice, I will add nothing more. And then God continues to go on. This, however, however strong is the encounter that Job needed. Because what this says, you guys, is that there is so much. This is why trust is a thing. It is a tangible thing. This is why faith is a tangible thing. It is not some, you know, thing that we sing about on Sunday and, and, you know, makes us feel better. It is a tangible thing. Because when we're going through something, the hardest thing we could possibly even imagine, we don't realize how actually in control, wise, and wonderful our God is. We have a very small perspective on what we're going through. And we do not realize that there is a hand that is in every single thing. Has the reign a father? What? (laughs) That's what God said. Has the reign. That one always trips me up. Has the reign a father? Well, I don't know. Does it? I mean, (laughs) I know it's you, God, but (laughs) is there another guy we don't know about? I don't really know. 
Where's the storehouse of hail? I do not know. That's what I don't. I don't even think, you know, you could do like a search on your search engine and find that one. <laughs> Where does the light and the darkness go? <laughs> I, I mean, I think I know, but I would be probably be wrong. God charges Job here with ignorance. Not in a bad way. Not in you're so stupid. But in a, hey, dude. <laughs> there's so much about me. That is so deep. That is so powerful. That is so wonderful. And when you say certain things. Know this. Not only am I in control. I'm going to take care of everything that has happened to you. Just like I take care of the donkeys, which is uh, chapter 39. You, can, you need to read that. The wild ox, the horse, the ostrich. His eye is on the sparrow. For I know he watches me. God isn't yelling at Job to be mean. He's saying a small perspective on how awesome I am. And it's so funny because the guy who talked a lot, Job, is all of a sudden speechless. He says, eh, I don't want to talk anymore. I lay my hand on my mouth. That's what it says. Job 44. I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, I'm not going to answer. Even twice. I'll add nothing more. I'm done talking, God. I get it. I get it. I get it. This is what we need, you guys. When God speaks to me after a hard season, even a season of silence, and when he speaks to me, it's often so powerful like this. It's so vast. It's so powerful. It's so specific. It answers questions that I don't even know I wanted answered, but it's full of information with this when the Spirit of God speaks after a season of silence. And everything that God spoke through Job 38, 39, 40, and 41 satisfied all of Job's questions. Every question that he had, everything that he wondered, he didn't have any more. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> That's why. That's what you need. You do not need your donkeys back. You don't need your camels back. You need an encounter with God that speaks to you specifically in your time of need. Job 42, God goes on and talks after he's like, I'm not going to talk anymore. God continues. And in Job 42, we hear after Job has taken in all of this information, this was his response. I know that you can do all things and that no, no, listen to what he says, knowing what he's just been through. And I know that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Nothing. I get it. And nothing that you're doing, no purpose of yours can be stopped. None of it. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Listen, therefore, 
I have declared that which I did not understand. This is Job's admission. I spoke out of turn. I said a lot. But I didn't really understand that there was something greater at work here. Things to, he said, therefore, I have declared, which I don't understand, did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I want to stop here and we're about done here. God is so good and so gracious and so patient and so kind. He lets us be as raw as we need to be as we see Job being. But when we have that encounter, oftentimes we regret (laughs) some of our thought processes, some of our assumptions, just like Job, declare some of our declarations about what we assume God is doing. Because oftentimes they're wrong. And the enemy has put them in or we've come up with them in our own flesh. I have declared things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, I want this one line. I have declared things too wonderful for me, which I did not know to encourage you. There are things about what you're going through that God is doing that you just don't know. You just don't know. That's why I said trust is so important. We look at God's character and we say, God, I trust your character. And even though I don't understand what we're going through, I trust your character. There are things that God is doing in your life right now, right now, that you're assuming one thing and it's just not true. It's bigger. It's greater. You just don't know. You just don't know. And guys, it would do us all a lot of good if we just made peace with this one statement. I don't know. I can assume something, but I don't know. I have said I don't know more in the last five years than in my entire life because I realized something. I don't know. God is so much. I will never get to the end of the knowledge of God ever. I've not even scratched the surface of it. So rather than saying A plus B equals C, let go and let God. Sometimes I just say, I had a call the other day. I get calls a lot by people. And I love them. I love them all. And this person on the other end was very upset. And um, they were pouring out their heart to me. And they said, what do you think about what I'm going through? And, you know, the I've been in church my whole life person was like, A plus B equals C, like going like God. And then the Lord muzzled my mouth and I was so glad. And I just said, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what God is doing and I don't want to speak for God. So just pray for you that the Lord would just comfort you because he's there. Job came to the realization. I just don't know. And I said things that I don't really know anything about. Let that encourage you. God is doing something in you and for you. That's going to take. This is where faith becomes. We have to walk it out. This is where faith becomes practical. I don't know, but I'm going to keep cruising. 
God's wisdom is beyond, and we literally will never reach the end of it. But just because you doesn't don't know, let me encourage you with this. God will always have the final word. Always. He goes on and says, verse 4, Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you, Job is talking to God, and you will instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. When he had an encounter with God, he saw a completely different perspective of what he knew pre all the traumas, pre Job 1. He was changed. He saw God in a different light and it satisfied what his soul needed. And that's what you need. An encounter. You need God to speak and it'll satisfy those longings. It'll satisfy those temptations. And trust me when I say God will have the final word. Last story and then I'm done. I know I've talked about this so much, but it just, it just seems to work for everything. When we were scammed with our babies, I was devastated, as you know. And I really thought God was mean or being mean, not mean, but this was something that was mean. But when we got Moses in Haven 24 hours apart, or, or matched with him 24 hour, hours apart, and then brought them home nine weeks apart, I realized that I had declared things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Us depending on other people, these, these other two babies and losing them was not God being mean. It was God being gracious because if we would have gotten those two babies, we would never have Moses and Haven. It was a loving God. And I just didn't, I didn't know. I just didn't know. It was too much for me. His wisdom was too great for me. He saw what I didn't. He saw perspectives that I didn't. Here he's the father of the rain. And what am I? I'm not even a father. (laughs) I declared things in that moment that he let me declare knowing I didn't know how it was going to end. And I tell you, God's going to have the final word. Trust that. Trust it. His eyes are aware of everything. And I'll have the final word. Lord, we love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can encounter you. I thank you for everyone listening to this today, God, that need that encounter. I pray, Lord, that you would set that up for them in Jesus' name. Move their hearts, Father God. We trust you. We're humans. We don't have your wisdom, God. But we know you do, so we trust you. So bring those encounters today in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. I'll see you right after the break, and we'll we'll wrap it up real quick here. Every day. A new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah.
Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Autumn at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, I am back. I have a really cool testimony, and I just kind of want to read it. She said, I'll edit it. Amanda put a bunch of stuff in here, but I'll, I'll edit as I read. She talks about the series that I talked about, don't bring new things into an old things, excuse me, into a new season. And she said that episode really hit home. She said God told her to surrender her career as a dental hygienist for 14 years in April. And her last day was um, August 24th. And he's given her so much peace and confirmation. Your three-part series on letting go and forgiveness a few weeks ago really spoke to me about forgiving my mother-in-law for the way she hurts me and things she said over the years. I've tried in the past, but never really fully was able to forgive her. Our pastor's message last Sunday was talking about letting go and forgiving before we move into our new building And what we leave behind and uh, not take with us. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I have to forgive my mother-in-law. It's time. And today I clicked on the podcast and this is the exact one that pops up. No coincidence with God. He's speaking loud and clear. And she goes on and on about talking about, you know, just a lot of really good things about the podcast and stuff. But I love it when God speaks. And he confirms multiple times. This is what I'm saying. You know, he knows we're human. This is what I want you to get. He, this is what I want you to receive. So I love that testimony. I love that this ministry is impacting you guys. Send me an email. Hello at autumnmiles.com or a DM on social. I'd love to see it. Okay. Question. 
When something bad happens to someone, my friends tell me it must be because of sin in that person's life. How do you respond to this with scripture? Because I do not believe that is true, but I don't know what to say. Well, what a great question. (laughs) Now, this is a reason something could happen. We know that David um, with Bathsheba was definitely had consequences of, you know, killing her husband and getting her pregnant. So (laughs) there was a consequence of that that was bad that happened to him. So it could be because of that. And it was sin in David's life that God had to bring consequence up. But I just am sharing five weeks, you guys, on Job. And all of this bad stuff that happened to him was a result of not sin. He was upright, blameless, fearing God, turning away from evil. And that was God's judgment on him. Be careful with this theology. It is not, there, there is so much more to it than this. And this is where I just told, talked to you guys about with Job. This is where you say, I don't know. I don't know. Because God is the judge and your friends aren't. (laughs) Sometimes that can be the case. And that is what Job's friends thought. They thought there was sin in Job's life, but they were wrong. So be really, really careful, you guys, with this theology. This is a very conservative Uh, sort of legalistic mentality. I grew up with this. You know, if you get cancer, well, it's because you lived a sinful life. No, that's not true. Job got boils all over his body and he was not sinless, but he was righteous. So be really, really careful, you guys. After reading Job 38, I don't really want to speak on behalf of God and get it wrong. All right. So um, that's what I would point them to. This is a really, really good question. I would point him to Job and I would point him to straight to Job 1 and 2. And just say, go read it and let me know what you think. You know, you don't even have to say anything to him. Go read it and let me know what you think. Okay, bye. Um, Anyway, I hope that answers your question. That's a really good question. Thank you guys for joining me. Next week, we are going to end out with the restoration of Job. And you don't, you got to come back. You got to come back for that one. I love y'all. I love that you're hanging with me. I love that you glean from this and I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you guys. We're in this together, AmFam. We're in this together, okay? I will see you next week for a brand new episode of the Autumn Mile Show. Love y'all. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Mile Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available. From her books and past episodes to her video series, we've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.